Hi, my name is Chris Little, and I am the host of The Lifestyle Chase. In 2018, I started this show to have meaningful conversations. I've interviewed over a hundred different people, both in and out of the fitness industry. This podcast is something I'm incredibly proud of. Welcome to season four. Thanks for joining me. All right, so welcome to the Lifestyle Chase. This is the first episode of season four, and I am joined by the one and only Derek Stanley. He is gracing our presence with, with gracing us with his presence, I should say. Um, he's been someone that I've wanted to have on the show for quite some time, and I'll get into that in a bit. But first of all, I just want to ask, how are you doing today, Derek? Doing very well, man. Uh, thank you. Thank you for asking, and thank you for having me on. You bet. So as promised, I have kind of a cool intro story to kind of like warm people up to who Derek is and how we met. Um, So I have talked about the Kansas City Fitness Summit many, many times on this show. And so people can kind of piece together like how I've met a lot of my friends in the industry and how I have learned and grown. And to kind of put people into my shoes, the Kansas City Fitness Summit that I attended was in 2019 and I heard about the announcement somewhere prior to like Christmas and my birthday and like the man child that I am I uh, asked everybody to basically gift me like cash like if my parents are going to give me a gift um, I was like I just want to be able to afford to go to this fitness summit because I was still in the very early stages of self-employment as a trainer so still building up And so when it came time to go on that trip, I literally like had scraped up all my pennies and I was so anxious about uh, getting around, like just like the lift costs were going to add up and all these things. And I, I knew Andrew Coates, I knew Kieran, I knew, I think that was about all that I knew at the summit before I went there. And, um, just the kind of person that Derek was when I first interacted, he was the the first person to offer me a ride and it was like a game changer for me. I was like, Oh my God, that saves my butt so much. And then just like how he interacted with everybody. It was just, it taught me that like everybody in this industry is inherently quite friendly and giving and everybody starts somewhere and it's influenced me and my attitudes when I have the opportunity to give somebody a hand, when people are like struggling with uh, motivation or their technical skills, it's uh, taught me to give back because of these times when, when people have helped me out when I really needed it. Like as, as embarrassing as it is to admit that I barely made it to the fitness summit. Um, I also take a lot of pride in it because it was very pivotal in my career and not a lot of people have the guts to kind of go there and just barely be able to afford to be there kind of thing. But with all of that out of the way, um, what was life like for you during that time, 2019? I think it was like May or something. Like what was your career like? What was happening for you? And first of all, major props to you for deciding to go to that. I believe uh, you said you were brand new to the industry, right? And so only knew a couple of people. Uh, And I'm glad you told that story because uh, it was really cool to meet you as well. And 
it's funny because like I I used to go to that same seminar every single year, and that's how I met tons of connections within the industry as well. And I always drive a couple of big reasons. One, I absolutely hate airports, and I absolutely hate getting on uh, airplanes. And two, I just love having my own vehicle while I'm there, and uh, being able to help others out, like people like you. And I thought it was so cool when you told me that because you didn't even tell me that how much I helped you until like a year or two later. And that meant an absolute ton to me that I was able to help that much and drive you around all weekend. Uh, so those are the big reasons why I always drive. And it's like an eight or nine uh, hour drive. But uh, but anyways, what I was doing at that point in my career, let's see, that was 2019. I think I had just been with uh, Stronger You for about a year. So uh, kind of a little bit of a backstory uh, as far as my career goes. I was at uh, Lifetime Fitness for five years as a personal trainer and a nutrition coach, uh, primarily working with people on weight loss. I was a weight loss specialist. Uh, and then I started chatting with Mike Dola sometime, I guess it was around 2000, like the beginning of 2018. And he was trying to recruit me and get me to come join Stronger You, which was amazing. So uh, I, and that was Another thing with that same seminar, that's the first time that I met him was in 2018 at that summit and got to know him and built that connection and everything as well. And eventually led to a job with Stronger You. So in 2019, I was finishing up uh, my first full year with the company and uh, working 100% remotely, which I never thought would be possible whenever I started doing personal training and, uh, and helping clients uh, still with mainly weight loss. I love that. And just some added backstory. The cool thing is like when I started out as like a trainer, like I left my old job and I finally got a chance at like a, a private boutique studio and I was working alongside uh, Dean Guido and Anthony Harder and um, they kind of took me under their wing and taught me a lot of things. And the cool thing is that they met a lot of the same people at the same summit and uh, back when Andrew Coates and Dean Guido first started their podcast, when it was called the Fitness Devil Podcast, mm -hmm. I've been one of their OG listeners. I've listened to every episode that both of those guys have put out in any platform. And so I kind of met you before meeting you. Like I knew who you uh -huh. were before I met you, which I thought was really cool because it didn't click until like maybe the second day I was oh, so that's, that's the guy that I listened to on the show. And it's like, ah. and then, so there's one episode that uh, I actually listened to preparing for this, where it's, uh, you're on the show, Jeb Stewart Johnston's on the show and Nick Sorrell is on the show. And like, I love that episode just cause it's so raw and just like yeah. genuine and authentic. And it just helps people get to know these personalities. And these are people that have come up many, many times in like, I've given them shout outs everybody that I've talked about has been on the show at least once. Now I've made the full collection. You're on the show too. Um, and it's just, it just goes to show how meaningful um, connection is just like how, yeah. how we treat people, how we are when we interact go, goes a long, long way. I, I didn't realize it. So you said that you listened to that podcast before I met you in Kansas city. So that must've been three or four years ago that I was on that. I did not realize that it was that long ago. Yeah, I think that was somewhere in 2018 because uh, Dean and Andrew started their podcast around, I think it was uh, September 2017 or something cool. like that. And then I started my podcast September 2018. And then I've just been uh, cruising, trying to talk to as many people as I can because yeah. I gained so much by listening to another podcast. I was like, well, I would like to have one of my own. And for anybody that's uh, listening, 
Um, there's a lot of value in going down the rabbit hole of somebody's show, like especially mm -hmm. if they're in the same industry, because you get to learn all the lessons that they learned through their career um, by following along. Like if somebody had less than four years in the industry or like they just got started and they listened to my episode one, they'd hear basically my entire self-employed career as a trainer because I started it like a month before the gym I was at closed and then I made the, the decision to work for myself and so it's just it's amazing what people would be able to to gain from that like the the connections the advice the the trail to some wins etc that's that's got to be one of the most cool things about having a podcast and as you mentioned like just with the connections and connecting with other coaches and everything all those same guys that I was on that podcast with I still keep in touch very frequently and that has been a huge part of my career too is meeting those people like Andrew and Dean and Jeb and all those guys and uh, bouncing things off of them and getting to internet fights with them and arguing with them and learning and growing and uh, just yesterday I hit a deadlift PR and I, I sent it to Dean and because Dean always gives me a hard time and pretty much tells me to STFU or deadlift 600 pounds <laughs> so I sent him my, uh, my deadlift PR and asked him how it looks and uh, so yeah, so it's, so it's really cool, man, to, to have all those connections and stay in touch with people and go to those uh, seminars and summits and meet people. And uh, I would advise anybody that is brand new to the industry or just getting into training to try to do as much of those things as possible. It's just so big for your career. Absolutely. Like, I mean, when we, when we are just struggling in our career or just feeling stagnant, it, it's kind of our friends in the industry that help us through it, whether it be a connection to get started with a company or, or just having someone to talk it out with kind of thing. There's something that was on my mind as we were preparing for this because we booked this episode somewhere like two or three months ago. Um, so it's been something that we've been preparing for for a while. And as we were getting booked, you had a bit of hesitancy. And I wanted to dive into that a bit. Like, talk to me more about what, what the hesitancy to be on a podcast was all about for you. Oh, man. So yeah, so I'll be uh, I'll be 100% uh, transparent here. So going back for as long as I can remember, I've had just this unbelievably big fear of public speaking and even like being on a podcast and things like that. And I'm sure other people can relate as well. Uh, and in the past few years, like as my career has been gaining traction and I've been doing a little bit better career-wise, I've had opportunities that I've turned down as far as being on like podcasts and stuff because of that. And so more recently, I've been reading this book. I've actually read it. I, I've, I'm reading it right now. And it's like the third time I've read it. It's called Emotional Agility by Susan David. And it's an amazing book. But I uh, kind of had an aha moment when I was reading through that. And she talks about how, you know, all those types of things are completely normal. Like it's completely normal to, uh, to have fear, to be scared of public speaking. It's completely normal to, to be upset, to cry, to have bad days, to be mildly depressed sometimes. All of those types of things are just normal. And she says, if you're not like thinking that you're not going to have those, it's like a dead person's goal because they're universal. Everybody has those fears. And if we just, uh, if we try to avoid those things it's, and, or, or bottle up our emotions, it's just going to, uh, it's just going to worsen the situation. So we need to accept it, you know, and be like, Hey man, like, yeah, I'm, I'm pretty nervous. And uh, I've been super nervous now for the last like three days, but, uh, but go ahead and do it anyways, you know, because that's what you value. You value connecting with people. You value helping people. And if there's information that you have that can help someone, 
you need to share that. And so that was kind of an aha moment for me and something that, uh, that I've been trying to, to keep in mind and face more of those fears and accept that it's normal and just continue on with it, uh, based on my values and everything. So, well, I mean, that's awesome. And it's something that I can definitely relate to. I mean, everything that's worked out for me in my career was fueled by, uh, fear. Like, uh, when I was booking everything that I needed, for uh, the Kansas City Fitness Summit, I honestly thought I was going to come back home and be absolutely broke and like have to ask like family for help or whatever. And really what happened mm-hmm. was I just, uh, I didn't spend money where I didn't need to. And then for the next three months, I was just super frugal and I did like little side hustles and I just picked up speed. And like, honestly, it did benefit me career wise. Like I picked up yeah. clients. People saw that I was like, all in on myself um just like investing in as much continuing education as what i could and uh so it's just like these things they they add up like they don't add up if we don't do things that aren't uncomfortable but they do add up if we're willing to lean into the discomfort and you talked about how you dove into a book i i do the same thing usually when i'm on like the the brink of something great it mm-hmm. is the product of some inner work, um, reading a book, having a conversation with somebody who's like been there, done that. Um, just like uh, prepping myself to to do something big. You mentioned uh, Dean Guido. It, it, he technically kind of approves your, your PRs and stuff, or at least sees <laughs> I, don't, I don't know if he approves it. But <laughs> but he, he at least didn't make fun of me whenever I hit my 515 for, for a four yesterday. So that's good. That's good. That's progress. So... Like with regards to like your current training and PRs, like what's mm-hmm. that been like for you? Did you find that uh, this past year of craziness threw you off or have you been pretty constant, seen any big wins? And I would say the past like probably five or six weeks of my training has been the best five or six weeks I've had in training in probably 10 years. Uh, I don't really know exactly what's going on and why I'm doing so well and hitting so many PRs, especially on deadlift. Uh, so for example, like my all time PR on deadlift, I think before, like five or six weeks ago was like 455 pounds for four or five reps, I think for five reps. Since then I've hit 470 for four reps. Uh, I've hit 485, always say 86. I I count the clamps. They're like 1.4 pounds, but anyways, and then I hit uh, 496, not 95. I hit 496 pounds. For reps and then yesterday i hit 505 and it felt pretty dang easy so i went ahead and stuck a five on and hit 515 which was a massive pr and that's like in the last six weeks it's been like 60 pound pr from from you know from all time and i've been training for a long time so that's really cool but yeah i don't know if i could uh narrow it down to like anything specifically there's a couple of things that that i have ideas about for one uh i've recently like a couple of months ago I uh, changed the way I approach training. So I used to just kind of like in the mornings, I would like mess around on Instagram and it would just like, you know, and and like Facebook and things like that. And it would just distract me or I would see something that was really dumb and it would just put me in a bad mood and all that type of stuff affects training. And I actually read a research review in Greg Greg Knuckles research review that kind of talked about this, uh, about how distractions can affect training and everything. Uh, And I decided like, Hey man, I'm going to, I'm going to, get off social media and, and, and try to focus as much as possible on my training session with zero distractions. And so I've started doing that and it's, it's helped a lot. Like whenever I go into my training sessions now, I'm in a much better mood uh, and I'm able to focus more. And uh, 
another big thing is, uh, so I've been working with a coach from, from Barbell Medicine for about the past like eight or eight or nine months now. And so I've been using more exclusively RPE, which is auto regulation. So rating of perceived exertion to kind of guide my training decisions and everything. And it's something I've been using for a while, but like I said, more exclusively now in the last eight or nine months, I've been using it. So I think that has gone a long way as well. Uh, so for example, a long time ago, I would always have these weights in my mind. Like I've got to add five pounds this week, or I've got to add 10 pounds this week. And even if I was having a really terrible day, and even if adding five pounds would mean almost going to failure for that session, I would do it. Now, instead, I focus on the intent of the training session, which is a prescribed effort. Like whenever I go and hit this lift, it's supposed to be like an eight or a nine RPE. And so instead of focusing on specific weights, I just focus on hitting that. Uh, and that means that some sessions, like my deadlift may dip down from 475 to 455, because that is what an eight RPE was that day instead of trying to force adaptation and forcing like five or 10 pounds on the bar. And whenever you do that, whenever you force those loads, even if it's not there that day, sure, you may hit five or 10 pounds, but that doesn't necessarily mean that you got any better. You just put five to 10 pounds on the bar and you lifted harder that day, right? So now I'm following more auto-regulation and listening to that. And I think that is going a long way as well uh, because you can't look at every single training session in isolation. Like if you hit, if you grind out a deadlift, that is like a freaking RPE 11 uh, and it's just brutal. And it's like so hard. Not only is it hard that day, but it's going to affect your ensuing training session. So when you come back in and train two or three days later, you're going to have more fatigue. Uh, and likewise, it's, you're going to have more fatigue the next week and the next week. So instead of being able to push training blocks and make progress, for three, four, five weeks at a time, which is what I used to be able to do. Now I'm hitting PRs and being able to extend my training blocks for six, seven, eight weeks at a time. So that is like the very long way to answer your question, I believe. But those are just some of the changes that I've made in my own training that I would hypothesize has led to my uh, very recent deadlift PRs that being Guido is not making as much fun of me for anymore. So <laughs> I like how you put that. Cause it's just like, he's going to, to pick fun in, in the right moments kind of. Absolutely. Thing. But, uh, you talked about RPE and I like that because that's kind of something that I use as well. Like, I mean, nice. it started from being programmed by other people. Like I have, done the mentorship with Kyle Dobbs and Matt Domney a couple times now I'm just in the midst of my my second go around and so if you follow like the AMRAP program it's all like RPE kind of thing like you're just kind of looking to build your work capacity and increase your training volume through whatever modalities make sense in the moment like it's just like working harder putting in effort and that's kind of what it comes down to and like Lately, I've noticed a big focus, going to give Dean Guido a shout out again, on um, NEAT and cardio and just increasing activity through whatever means possible. Um, what has your experience with that been like? Like, I know you go on lots of walks with the family and you get in the work, but like from your words, like what, what is your approach? Uh, what, what direction do you take things? Man, I'm an absolute huge, huge proponent of physical activity. Always have been. I've been going on two or three walks every single day for probably the last 10 years. More recently, uh, since I've had a son in the last two or three years, those walks have been a lot more infrequent because now he's at the age to where we can't just go on a walk. He wants to like ride his bike and like not wear his helmet or he wants to do cartwheels or like whatever. 
So it's much harder to get walks in. Also, it's summertime. It's like 105 degrees out here every single day, and it's brutal to go for walks. So my walking has been a little bit less. But yeah, man, I'm a huge proponent of, of, of physical activity. And I would say that's actually probably one of the biggest things that I've been focusing on more recently with clients. Not that I haven't always cared and pushed exercise, but uh, I would say in the last couple of months, it's just something that I've been focusing on more and trying to get uh, people to reach like the, the physical activity guidelines for Americans, which is or, or getting as close to that as we possibly can within the, the realm of their lifestyle and everything, which is 150 to 300 minutes per week of moderate intensity cardio or 75 to 150 minutes of high intensity or anaerobic cardio plus two weight training days. So some combination of those. And like, there's like, I think uh, it's one to 2% of all people actually reach those guidelines, but there's so many benefits in doing so and becoming more physically active. And I'm sure you've been involved and you've seen all of the arguments that have gone back and forth the last couple of days on this. It's almost like there's team walk more and do more physical activity. And there's like, and then there's like, I think kind of a made up team of like, don't do exercise uh, and, and just focus on diet. Uh, I, I don't think anybody is actually saying that, but I think that's kind of like being argued against. And I will say that, you know, I've read Herman Ponser's book the, uh, called Burn, which is what has led to all this and his studies and everything. And uh, so I've read that and uh, had my ideas, what I thought about the constrained energy model and everything. And then from reading all these arguments back and forth from really smart people has kind of changed my, changed how I view it a little bit. Uh, and so like, I would say right now, instead of being on like, let's say if it's a spectrum, instead of being on like one end of the spectrum, I'm pretty much like right in the middle where I think you should be. Like, I think physical activity is incredibly important. I think, uh, dietary adherence is incredibly important. However, I will say that, uh, I think it's much easier to, uh, and, and, and I can get into the reasons why I think exercise is so important, but, uh, I think it's much easier from a weight loss perspective to tell someone like, Hey, let's just figure out a way to tweak your environment and, and come up with a strategy to avoid that 250 or 300 calorie donut that's in the break room rather than, hey, let's add two hours of walking to your schedule every single day to burn the same amount of two or 300 calories, if, if that, you know? So, uh, so that's kind of, kind of where I'm at. Uh, but yeah, physical activity is incredibly important. Uh, nutrition adherence is incredibly important. I don't think it's one or the other. It's both. Uh, I, I just think that, that the, the message is like, whenever you become very physically active, you don't burn quite as many calories as you think you might due to some down regulation and other things like how many, uh, calories your, your organs are burning and, and, and stuff like that. Um, so, so don't use exercise or don't use exercise as a weight loss strategy, but do it for all of the other reasons why it's so amazing to do, which include uh, regulating your hunger and satiety mechanisms, uh, controlling your blood sugar, building strength, building endurance, uh, uh, building and maintaining muscle, which is also going to go a long way with uh, weight loss maintenance. So yeah, incredibly important exercise, but just understand that it may like, don't do it for calorie burn, focus on nutrition interventions for calorie burn. So that's where I'm at. Yeah. And that and, makes sense. And, and, and I need to, and I'll be completely honest, like the more that I've been learning, even in the last week by reading the arguments back and forth, I need to go in and I need to actually like read the studies that Ponser cites in his book. And I also need to read the counter studies that these other people are posting so I can formulate even a little bit of a better stance and a better 
position uh, because, I mean, I'm pretty open-minded. I'm pretty uh, open to being told that I'm wrong or that's not right or whatever. So I need to do more homework and I need to read more into those things instead of just reading the book. So, Well, I mean, even as you were kind of like sharing your your thoughts on it with me, like I had so many things that I could take away and kind of think about. And like, one of the biggest things is like, I find that, well, first of all, you talked about how like there's the two camps and the one is like exercise less nutrition more. And the other one's like, uh, exercise more nutrition, less kind of like, that's, that's a a weird paraphrase of it, but we, we get the idea and it's just like, so often these things pop up on the internet and like I saw it and I was like, Honestly, uh, I don't feel like engaging or letting my time be occupied by this. And it's fortunately that one wasn't too overwhelming. Um, It's just so many of the other things that come through social media and how we talked about how valuable it was to just like focus our attention on the things that keep us alive. And then from like a holistic point of view, like from my from my experiences, expressing effort in everything that we do is extremely underrated. Like expressing effort within our nutrition choices, like taking a look at what we are going to consume within the day and like having like an intent as to why we're going to consume each thing. Like, are we going to consume this thing because it's high in protein or are we just going to consume it because it has sprinkles? And like, are we going to have this salad because we think salads are awesome Or are we going to have this salad because it's filled with vegetables that will give us the, like the, the micronutrients we might be be low on. And then as far as like exercise, it's just like quite commonly people say that uh, they get in their own way. And I think that is so Mm -hmm. true. Like we can reflect on my, my experience. Um, I could have totally talked myself out of going to that fitness summit. My 2019 would have gone dramatically different. Right. I would have still networked with people, but not at that same rate. I wouldn't have uh, met friends like uh, Alex McBrarity, who is basically like my fitness bestie now. (laughs) And so it's like all these different things. So many conversations wouldn't have been had. And all I had to do was like, look at the situation, look at what I had control of and just apply myself without really any like absolute certainty as to what the outcome would be but just a little bit of confidence and so like yeah man and just and just getting outside of your comfort zone for sure and i mean just like you talked about the uh the lifting that you're doing and just Mm -hmm. how you you changed it to rpe instead of just like a blanket weight increase it puts you in a position where you were able to like really put an effort like if you were feeling it you could push it and Mm -hmm. i think so often people people are capable of way more than they give themselves credit for. Like we can increase the things that we do in the day, whether that be in the realm of prepping our food or in the realm of increasing our activities with our family or parking far away from the grocery store or planning activities that balance out our mental health, planning like downtime. A lot of people that listen to podcasts struggle with creating boundaries that give them their time for them to meditate or to decompress or to unwind. And their excuse is that they don't have time. Fortunately, they're yeah. making time to listen to the podcast. But at the same time, if, if they have that time, they can also uh, change that and have it as being their morning mindful routine. 
or they're even unwinding to, to increase their sleep quality. So you're kind of speaking on just like having more intent throughout the day, mm-hmm. right? Like, yeah, man. And, and I have a lot of empathy for how, for how busy people are and how hard it is to make these behavior changes with nutrition and fitness and everything. Like it's easy for me, you know, like I work from home and uh, I do what I love all day. Like I work with clients on nutrition and fitness stuff. I've got a freaking garage in my gym. My wife works from home. My, we, our in-laws, my uh, in-laws live five minutes down the road. They can babysit my son if we need to. It's easy for me. There are people who, you know, have 30, 45 minute hour commutes, one direction every single day for work, have three or four kids. So there's so many different constraints on people in so much uh, context that makes it way more challenging. So I have a lot of empathy. Uh, but yeah, there's things that you can do to still prioritize your your uh, your weight loss goals or your nutrition and your fitness. And I think one of the most important things people can do is just kind of become a master of managing their environment. And James Clear talks a lot about this in his book, Atomic Habits, is that like uh, people make it way harder on themselves. And I think you mentioned that too, but it's like, if you keep, you know, a bunch of different ice cream flavors in your freezer and things like that, any day that you have a very stressful day and you come home and you know that there's going to be ice cream in your freezer, you're, you're not going to choose this the, the vegetables, you know, or the lean protein, you're going to choose the ice cream. So one of the things that most people can do is just manage their environment and keep their fridges and keep their freezers stocked with things that are going to take them closer to their goals. And this goes for managing their work environment, managing the environment in their car, on their commutes, on their drives, different things like that, keeping the things around that you want to eat, uh, blocking off your, your workouts and your schedule way ahead of time. Uh, like looking at your week on Sunday and saying like, all right, I'm going to work out on Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at these times, I'm blocking them off. Nobody's going to interrupt me during these times, et cetera. So, yeah, I think there's so many different ways that you can uh, create intent in your days and plan for to fit those things in if they're really important for you. But I don't want to undermine how hard behavior change is in general for a lot of people. Definitely. Well, one one approach that I've found that a lot of people are able to have success with is instead of taking something away, just adding something in. And like, I'll, I'll give people perspective as to what I have noticed that you do that I think is uh, underrated and extremely valuable. So I see you playing basketball all the time. You're going oh, yeah. out and shooting hoops and you you involve your boy and it, it's cool to kind of to hear like uh what does he say like hooping or you're gonna go hoops or... uh yeah uh yeah he says he says hoop whenever he wants to play basketball and uh whenever he wants to work out he says he goes up up i i, I guess that means like up on the rep i don't know but that's his phrase for letting me know that he wants to go in the garage and work out is up up well i mean i love that and it's Part of that is kind of leading by example, like for myself, one of the reasons why it's been easier for me to express effort in a workout, like to really work Mm -hmm. my ass off when I want to, is because like my dad is like a farmer. He works his ass off every single day. And so I've seen him do it. And so he, he raised me to know that like everything that's worthwhile, it takes a lot of hard work. And maybe you're not able to apply it in one direction, but you certainly can in the direction that you're passionate about or the direction that you're competent with. Um, but when you go and play basketball, like what, what was the origin of that? Like our former athlete, what, what's going yeah. on there? Like what, what brings you joy to go play basketball? So I am a, I am a massive sports fanatic. I love every single sport, watching, playing basketball, baseball, football, soccer, tennis, badminton, 
ping pong, uh, foosball, anything except for golf. I just absolutely love sports. But uh, the I, I there's a couple of different reasons. So one, I know that I need to do car- more cardio, more actual aerobic activity and get my heart rate up a little bit. I absolutely, anybody who knows me knows how much for over the course of the years, how much I hate doing cardio. It's just not fun to me. There's so many things that I would rather do than get on a treadmill and run or even go outside and run. I just don't like it. Never have starting to like it a little bit more, I will say. So that is good. But uh, that's just one way for me to go ahead and to, to be able to get that aerobic activity in and doing something that I enjoy, which is going and playing basketball. So that is what that is all about. And also, I just think people need to do more things that they really love and enjoy doing throughout the course of the day and the week. Like, do those things. It's so crazy. Like, I feel like people stop doing that stuff. Like, you don't see very many adults that don't have kids with, like, a basketball hoop in their driveway because we've been taught that, like, oh, that's stupid. Like, you're an adult now. You're supposed to, like, who has time to go play basketball? But, like, I would encourage everybody to do more things like that. Like, who freaking cares what anybody thinks? Like, if you like playing basketball – go play basketball. Like it doesn't matter. Uh, so yeah, that is with the basketball. (laughs) Well, I mean, it's cool because I actually enjoy playing basketball quite a bit. Like I like to just shoot hoops, just, uh, it helps me decompress so much fun. Well, and I mean, you can bring a friend with you. It can be part of like your, your social health. It can, because people need that sense of community and sometimes it's hard to organize it. You need like a thing to do. And for people who might struggle with uh, drinking or anything like that, when you have like a different environment where they don't serve alcohol, like a basketball hoop, you can create that uh, sense of support where you can just have some real talk with a buddy. And that is, that is such a great point. Like such a great point. Yes. Community is huge. And such a great way to add exercise into your life and into your day. Uh, before the pandemic started, so this was back in January, February, March of 2020, every Wednesday and Saturday, I would meet with a group of friends. There would normally be six to 10 of us or so, and we would play three on three for like an hour. And that was such a great way to get cardio. And also, like you said, it's community. So for somebody who has a health and fitness goal, what better way to hang out with friends and bond with people that doesn't have to do with going out and getting drunk and staying out till 2 a.m. and messing up your sleep, you know? So yes, uh, environment is huge. Uh, social aspects are absolutely huge. And uh, as, as we talked about earlier with managing the environment around nutrition, you can manage the environment with the people you hang out with. You can hang out with people who are interested in the same things as you. Now, I'm not saying like go ditch all your like best friends for your whole entire life because they don't like to do you know necessarily the same things you do but you can always join groups with people of like-minded uh, or with people who are like-minded uh join exercise groups uh on facebook which is really important join uh local groups that do things that you like to do go on your community facebook page and say hey who is there anybody here that likes to play basketball and wants to play this Saturday? You know, like you could even tell them, uh, I would probably tell them like, Hey, I suck now and I'm old, but we can, you know, get some exercise in and still have some fun and throw the basketball up there and whatnot. So, yeah, I think that is very, very, very important to uh, have those social connections as well. Well, I think it's, it's part of what turns something from being like, like a fad to being something that is a lifestyle. Like Mm -hmm. we have to make like really, 
meaningful actions in our lives. Like not necessarily changes, but just like something where um, our routine is modified. Like instead of just sitting there and thinking, I'm going to do this or making the Instagram post, like watch out for me, like 2022, here I come. Like just like planning something different next Wednesday than what it was this Wednesday. And like, I find that enrolling other people in the goal is helpful Mm -hmm. to meeting that goal. Like I am very honest with people that I'm going to make this podcast take off no matter how many years it takes. And I talk to a lot of my guests about my goals with the podcast and I talk to my friends about it because then they're part of the journey and people inherently like to help each other no matter how negative the world may seem like we we want to help each other just like how you felt good about helping me out with like the the commuting around kansas city kind of thing Mm -hmm. um i inherently feel good when i pay it forward to other trainers with anything that is in my wheelhouse typically it's just marketing ideas or um someone to talk to kind of thing but it's it's just crazy how how little efforts like making one little plan can really turn into something much much bigger and it's not as complicated or out of access as sometimes people may think when they're trying to uh get started with a new lifestyle mhm absolutely man so important and hey it's a huge honor to to be on here because i honestly i have no doubt that you're going to be able to to blow this thing up i can tell you're super passionate about it and really enjoy it and you're really good at it you're really great at interviewing people so i have no doubt uh that it's going to do really well and i think it's really cool that i get to be on here uh before that happens you know absolutely and i mean like Something that I often do is I'll like highlight somebody that's been on the show ways back because there's so many connections. Like if somebody is listening to this and they came here via Derek Stanley, they yeah. can look back through the almost 200 episodes and probably find about 50 people that they know. Like not even joking. You could be American, you could be Canadian and you probably yeah. would know 50 people. And Isn't that nuts? It, it's I mean, really cool. <laughs> I mean, I listened to like a few of your podcasts, uh, over the, I mean, I, over the last uh, month or so and going through those, there's so many people that I know that have been on your podcast uh, and people who much bigger names than myself, like Tony Gentilcore and Dean Somerset and, uh, and people like that. And Jordan Syatt, like I know all those people and I've met all those people and it's really cool to, to see them on there that they've been on the same podcast, you know? Well, somebody that I want to pay tribute to that's been on the show, I think is probably back like episode like 40 or 50 or 70 or something. Mike Cola. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so he, he My was boy. on the show and you guys always kind of like banter back and forth about basketball. Yeah. That's, that's why he popped into my head. Like, how did that start? <laughs> and that has been going on for like three or four years. And I'm not going to lie. It's probably pretty old to like everybody that's on the outside. Now they're probably like, Oh, another basketball joke between Mike and Derek. But, uh, man, I couldn't even tell you how it started. I know that we we did play basketball together two or three years ago and I stuffed the crap out of him. Like he was going up for a layup and I stuffed him so hard, like just blocked it. Like the ball went all the way out in the court off the backboard and uh, he hurt his shoulder. So ever since then and his shoulder, and I felt bad about that a little bit. Like it was a great block, but I felt bad that he hurt his shoulder on that block. And he gave me a hard time about it for, you know, for months because he said every single morning he woke up, he would like go like this and his shoulder would still hurt. So I think since then it even intensified a little bit more because he was mad that he got hurt and he was mad that he got stuffed. 
So then he started making even more jokes. But the origin of that, I could, I, I don't know if I could tell you. Maybe, oh, uh, may go back to because we have another mutual friend, Tanner Bays, and I went to high school with, or not with Tanner, but we went to similar uh, similar area, different schools, and we played against each other in high school. And so we used to joke around, and I think Mike somehow got involved in that circle and started joking around with this as well. But well, I mean, it just kind of goes to show how like something, just the funniest little thing, can create like some of the strongest bonds. Like I, I mentioned Alex McBrarty, and him and I met at Kansas City Fitness Summit, but we didn't really talk too much. But he, there was some crazy shenanigans shenanigans going on and he showed me this awkward turtle uh sign language thingy or just like symbol so i'll demonstrate it yeah. to you and i got the secondary yeah. camera so i gotta show the secondary camera <laughs> but like the awkward turtle. <laughs> and that's how alex I I do that. and i like yeah. we bonded that way because it was just like it's so simple and that's amazing like, feeling uncomfortable in a social setting <laughs> you can just like look across the table at your friend and just awkward turtle and it's yes. like, it looks like a turtle <laughs> upside down um that's amazing and it's just like that that is literally like how we first bonded and then we um started talking more and more and we realized how like-minded we are and now i actually uh do some contracting as part of his business. So it's that whole like cross-border bond and just the, yes. that is the compound effect of networking and making genuine connections and just being yourself and trying to be as like real as possible. Like trying not mm -hmm. to just like fake it till you make it, but actually like showing up as who you are and yeah. uh, finding your people that way kind of thing. Yeah, man. Uh, makes me think of a really funny story too. Like that's kind of silly. Like your like the awkward turtle thing is uh, at the fitness summit a few years ago, uh, we had a few drinks and we were just kind of hanging out in the lobby and I was sitting, <laughs> somehow I ended up sitting on the lap of Nick Sorrell and Eric Bach and a couple of other people. And it's so stupid, but I kept flexing my glute on, <laughs> Nick's, on, on Nick's leg. And so that's been a joke for the last, last like three years. Like uh, he'll message me and I'll be like, man, I, I can't wait to, to see you and, and flex my glute on your leg or something so stupid, you know? But yeah, it's, it's, uh, it's, fu it's fun. <laughs> For sure. And I mean, like, uh, he's a wordsmith, so he'll find a funny way to, to spin that around yes. several times more. But with all of that being said, with everything that you've done with your clients, like what is something that you've recently changed? Like something, whether it be with your clients or just even in your life? A uh, couple of things I've already alluded to uh, as far as uh, with clients go is I've been focused way more on the whole physical activity thing and just trying to get people uh, more active. So that's just something I pay more attention to and open my ears to whenever somebody is uh, talking about any kind of interest in getting started exercising more, adding an extra day. Uh, that's something that I, my, my ears kind of perk up and I really try to f figure out how we can implement that into their lifestyle and, and make that behavior change. So uh so yeah, I would say that's probably the number one thing that I've been focused more on uh, with clients most recently with myself. Uh, I don't know. I, I guess, uh, so I, I used to be in a really good routine, like as far as, you know, I'm not at one of these people like with who thinks you got to have a morning routine where you do all this meditate for five minutes and then go do this for five minutes and have like a list of 40 things that you're supposed to get done before like the kids wake up or anything. I'm not one of those people, but I do think it's incredibly important to like wake up at the same time every single day and go to bed at the same time every single day. And 
over the years, I've been in good routines with it in the past. And then you have a kid and things get busy. And sometimes you, you stop doing those things. And over the last, over the pandemic and over months, I kind of stopped doing those things. So over the last few months, I've, uh, I've started trying to get up every single morning at the same time. Uh, so I wake up at six, between six and six thirty AM. Uh, I, I start my day pretty much the same way by reading, having some coffee, and then I block off uh, time to work with clients. So I block off uh, every single day, pretty much from like 7 a.m. to like 11 a.m. And that's whenever I do all my client check-ins and stuff like that. So uh, so getting back into that really good routine in general is a big change that I've recently started doing again and just pays dividends with everything. Uh, that's probably one more thing that has led to my most recent training success. And uh, yeah. Well, you talk about it as though it's like almost repeating something, but truthfully, if a person does some self-reflection and kind of looks critically at when they do go to bed and when they do wake up and mm-hmm. sees how they can kind of refine those times to make them more consistent, like whatever changes need to happen, whether it be um, put your phone somewhere out of access or change when you have certain appointments or change when you do certain like remote work. Um, it does, it does pay off, but most people aren't willing to do the things that it takes to have that outcome kind of thing. Like sometimes it's that we think that a commitment that we've made is more meaningful than it is. Like whether it's like a commitment to watch Tiger King or a commitment to go to a meeting that will not, um, benefit us in the future like there's always going to be things that we can do and we have to have like the boundaries to know like what is going to actually help us in our life and what is just doing things just to do things and so hopefully people kind of get like some takeaways from that in that they actually like look critically at what their routine is what can they eliminate to refine it to make things go better than how they did before kind of thing yeah. And sometimes I think one of the big problems with making behavior changes like that is that people are so broad with it. Like they'll say, oh man, I really need to sleep more. And it's like, okay, but that's like, that's pretty abstract. Like, what does that mean? You need to like look at your schedule and identify behaviors, specific things that you can focus on. So like, why aren't you getting into bed? Is it because, uh, is it because you're having caffeine at like 7 PM? then okay, let's start focusing on that behavior and try to cut out caffeine by 2 p.m. every single day and see how you're sleeping. Uh, Is it because you're addicted to your phone and you're on your phone till like 10 p.m.? All right, well, let's figure out a behavior change that you implement into your lifestyle to get off the phone by 7 or 8 p.m., like put it up, out of sight, et cetera. So uh, yeah, you need to, whenever you're trying to make those changes, you need to be specific with it and not just say, oh, I want to sleep better or oh, I want to eat better. Like that doesn't mean anything. Well, for sure. And like something that my older brother does, and he's a crane operator, so he leads an unpredictable life, but he can still kind of put forth boundaries to help with his sleep quality. Because some Mm -hmm. days the boss is just going to call him in early. Some days he's going to be able to sleep in a bit. But what he does is he'll look at like when he needs to be on site, he'll add in the amount of time that he needs to get ready to like feel good. Like, Some people can get ready in 15 minutes, but that might not feel good. So he realistically puts out like maybe like half an hour to kind of prep, get ready, pack lunch, go to the bathroom, all these things. And the travel time, not the travel time when you're speeding, but travel time when there might be some traffic. 
builds all of that in, then adds in like the seven to eight hours of sleep that he feels at his best, and then mm -hmm. looks at what time it is in order for him to accumulate all that, and mm -hmm. then just pulls out a hard stop as to it's bedtime now kind of thing. Like it's just dude, that's that's amazing. So he like analyzes his whole day, and he's like, well. Uh, and, and then, and then from there, he might figure out where he can fit in the ancillary things like, Oh, well, I've got an extra hour here where I could do something that I want to do. That's not a commitment or something. Yeah. I mean, it's like, uh, it's, it's taking a, a gen pop approach to sleep quality, yeah. um, and reverse engineering a solution. And sometimes we just, we're thinking about what kind of quick fix we can do to, to change how we sleep. And we just literally yeah. need to figure out like, okay, how many hours do we need? Uh, mm -hmm. when should we go to bed and what do we need to eliminate? Whether it's airplane mode on our phone, uh, blackout curtains, uh, air conditioner, an extra glass of water, cut off time on caffeine, no alcohol, like all these like hard stop rules that actually make a difference because, um, for a lot of people, if they don't make these lifestyle changes, it yeah. is going to build up and have like a detrimental effect on what they do for work or their relationships with their family and friends like they're gonna snap they're going to have poor performance it's like you talked about your prs mm -hmm. um if if you were getting paid based on the amount of weight that you lifted in the gym just like some people get paid on performance reviews um it would impact your quality of life or your sense of fulfillment and so with those metrics we can really see the value of uh, looking at it from a perspective of we're going to get something done rather than just like saying we're going to make a change and putting on the meditation music and scrolling through our Instagram, getting triggered by something somebody said, getting all mad, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera kind of thing. Mm -hmm. So if I was to get you to give my audience a challenge for the day, and this could be anything. You don't have to overthink it, but I think it'd be cool if it was something that was kind of unique to you and your personality. What would your challenge for the day be? I'll, I'll, my, the first thing that popped into my mind, uh, I don't, which I didn't want to say because it sounded cliche, was do something nice for for someone. So I won't use that one. Um, my challenge, man, put your phone up tonight one hour before bedtime and get in and get in bed at a reasonable hour. Uh, yeah, I'll leave it at that. Awesome. And I mean, like to kind of back up what you first were going to say, because I find that people don't put enough emphasis on the cliche things. Cause like one thing that I've reflected on is anytime somebody has done something nice for me, I remember it for years. Like yeah. we started off this podcast talking about something nice that you did for me that you didn't even realize how significant it was until we chatted about it. Um, these things happen every day. These things happen when a new trainer gets the door held open for them or when like somebody um, gives them their time kind of thing. Like when, when people ask a question of their mentor and their mentor gives them time to, to give them answers. Like every single person that's on this show that gives me an hour or two of their life, like that is a nice thing. And when we look at like how that ripple effect keeps going, it's, uh, it's pretty significant. And not only does it impact me, but it impacts everybody that listens to the show. 
So I like both of your challenges. Awesome. But if, if, uh, do both today. Absolutely. If anybody <laughs> ever hesitates as to the impact of doing something nice, even if it's just like saying something very genuine that's uplifting to somebody, like that stuff sticks. That stuff stays with people for decades. And there's never a bad time to try and elevate somebody else. I couldn't agree more. And with all of that being said, to keep us on time, I, I'm wrapping it up, but it's been so great to finally have you on the show. So I'd like to thank you for, for coming on to the Lifestyle Chase for the very first episode of season four. Kind of cool. <laughs> Absolutely, Chris, man. Thank you so much for having me on. You bet.